All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch Michaels here on this sports podcast. We are wrapping up January, wrapping up the football season, and uh, we know what our Super Bowl is. Here to talk football, talk a little hockey with me from from the Extra Points Podcast Network, Minus 3 Podcast, where you can find him producing there and uh, contributing as well. It was big in the fantasy football season as well, so I hope you listen to him and won your league this year. Uh, Eddie Murphy back on the show. Eddie, thanks to uh, thanks for you joining this show. It's always a pleasure, uh, although it is a little somber now that there's just one football game left. Yeah, it is sad. Uh, just one game left. The uh, the gigantic, um, super corporate, expensive game where no real fans are actually get to go in Las Vegas to see this rematch, um, which I, I feel like nobody wanted this rematch. Everyone was rooting for the Ravens and the Lions. But I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I've i held that Ravens 2000 Super Bowl win over the Giants, like, against them, for, like, obviously for um, the last 24 years now. So I was still anti-Raven. I like Lamar. Um, I have no ill will towards right. Odell Beckham. I think John Harbaugh is probably one of the more underrated coaches uh, in the league uh, of the generation, really. But I was definitely still rooting for Mahomes because I've come around on him. You know, like we both grew up seeing Tom Brady just dominate. And it was always a game of like somewhere in like golf. It was like Tiger versus the fields back in the in his prime. And it was just like which teams could upend Tom Brady, who could actually stop him. And, you know, luckily my Giants did twice. And I know the Eagles did and a few other uh, times throughout his career. But not a lot. And now with like Mahomes, like I don't want to get in this headspace of constantly rooting against him. So I'm just like, I'm appreciating greatness as it's going. And it's great to see him in his prime, uh, a guy that was taken after Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky. They traded up to get him. So just uh, an incredible run by him when everyone seemed to be doubting the Chiefs team and uh, the Lions giving up uh, that lead. And um, I'm, I'm shocked that city is, is still standing. So that was uh, a hell of a championship Sunday. So the first thing would be I'm anti-Ravens for obvious reasons, if anyone yeah. has this show. Division knows. rival, come on. Yeah, and the whole Cleveland-Baltimore thing still has not gone over well, even though it's a, you know changed ownership a few times there. Um, no, but I, and look, I think there's a part of the Chiefs side of things where you can say like, I mean, obviously, I respect what Mahomes is doing. He's this generation's Brady. He's already one of the all-time greats whose resume is still, you know, maybe halfway even, which is crazy to say. But there is something to be said about, you know, greatness does kind of get stale in a lot of ways when it's the same team. And that's, you know, that's the fact of how it works. I know you saw the meme where the entire country kind of rooting against them is kind of how it's flipped from like four or five years ago. But I think we've gotten to a point where when it is the same team, whether it's the Patriots, whether it's, you know, I guess the Celtics from way back when, even Jordan's Bulls a little bit, they had a little more likability. But I think when you see the same team over and over again, you kind of do wish for some new blood. But, hey, you got to knock them out and you got to beat them. And I think that's the first thing that comes to mind for me, Eddie, this Chiefs team. The, the Patriots' similarity is that they were like chameleons this year. They were vulnerable during the season. They had their issues. We all know about the receiver position for Kansas City. But they found a way to hit the reset button and play their best football and really play what suits their personnel. Not many teams could do this. I think it really does separate the great ones to be abil the ability to turn it on and play the style that suits your personnel. Yeah, so the conversation this entire NFL season has been like, well, you know, Patrick Mahomes like doesn't have any help. You know, oh, Tyreek Hill, he's putting up almost 2,000 yards in you know, Miami. Where's his help? And like the way I kind of look at it is – why is giving receiver help to Mahomes the only form of help 
Whereas, like, I think now this new Chiefs team with a great defense, like a phenomenal defense, maybe not as good as the Ravens or, or your Cleveland Browns the regular season, but a damn good defense and a running game, an established running game, which is like something that Andy Reid has, like, never done in his career, yeah, even back all the way to, to the Eagles. Um, he's always just used them in, like, screens and, and, and pass patterns and all those, like, swing passes. They always were a, basically an extra receiver. But having a guy like Pacheco who just, like, runs super hard for a, uh, you know, a seventh-round pick, like, to me, that is the help. Like, that is more beneficial to Mahomes career going forward than it is being like yeah yeah you'll have Tyreek Hill and whoever else but we're going to put no money into the defense we're not going to draft defense and then you're going to have and we're going to have no running game behind you so I think that what they did with this new looking Chiefs team that was different from the years past teams is like this is great for Mahomes longevity you have a defense a stout defense that will stop other teams offense and it makes life easier for him where he doesn't have to he, he could score 17 points in a game and win. He doesn't have to score 30 plus constantly. And I think that's a great thing. And he doesn't have to worry about, you know, the short yardage thing. Uh, if it's, you know, third and three, third and two, he doesn't have to find Kelsey only. He can now hand the ball off to Pacheco and their all lines good enough that he can get those uh, tough yards up the middle. I think that to me is why this team is so dangerous and why I'm probably leaning towards them to even win the Super Bowl because Mahomes now has to do less. And that's a scary thing when he's as good as he is. And he is you know, the second coming of Tom Brady, whether you want to agree with this or not. Like, I'm not, not even saying in style of play or, like, on the field. I'm just talking about, it like, in, right. in accolades and stuff. But um, this guy is the best. I mean, he has an incredible arm. He's mobile, and he's the probably the smartest quarterback in the league right now, and that's the reason why he's constantly in the title. Like, he lives <laughs> in the AFC title game, Six, and he's going yeah. to get another another Super Bowl. And obviously not diminishing what Andy Reid's brought to it, too. I think it's just a, it's right. a fantastic combination, like Brady and Belichick. So yeah. uh, I am ready to anoint him, GOAT 2.0, and I am I feel bad for everyone that has to root against it and, and hate. The, I, I get it. I get there's fatigue of the same team winning, but I think we also should be able to appreciate the greatness. So mm-hmm. um, while this Chiefs seem to wrap it up, this very long-winded answer, <clears throat> to wrap up the, you know, the, the Chiefs were kind of made fun of all year and, and criticized all year for how the roster was. And there were some struggles with the receivers. Rasheed Rice has come on. But uh, again, I think the long term, like this is a really good move by KC to have a ground game and have a, a really good defense because it's just less pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And like I said, you now you see what he did. The, he beat the MVP 17 to 10, which is not a very Chiefs type win that we're, uh, you know, we're used to. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of things that can be true in what you said there. And, and we do appreciate greatness when we see it. Oddly enough, that game yesterday you know what it reminded me of, Eddie, was those that Broncos-Patriots AFC title game, Peyton Manning's last run, where they yeah. just got out on them early, and then they rode their defense and kind of maintained you know, the ball possession and you know made some timely plays. Because this isn't, you know, personnel-wise, this is what's going to happen when you give your quarterback 400-whatever-million dollars and Kelsey gets a big deal. Like, you have to pick and choose. I think part of why they're even in this position, other than Mahomes being one of the greats and Kelsey the same thing for the tight end position, but they have absolutely nailed their, like, mid to late round draft picks. So they have a lot of players on rookie contracts that are real good, that are really contributing, and you can't afford to whiff when you don't have a lot of salary. So I think that's part of it, too. The other side of the story, though, maybe the reason, you know, dare I say even more than Mahomes yesterday, they win is with that defense. And your guy Spags, man, I mean, he is... Putting together a resume as a DC that's one of the all-time greatest, you know firsthand mm-hmm. from that Giants-Patriots Super Bowl in 2008 where they beat the undefeated Patriots, but there's something about this guy and how he motivates the team. But also, like I said before, 
can adjust, can figure out a way to use what he has to his advantage. That was a masterclass by Spags, who's had a lot of those in his career. Just another example of what a great DC he is. Absolutely. I'm glad that Spags is getting his due and just like adding to that incredible resume. And I, I know he's bounced around the league a bit and whatever, but there is no better DC in a big game uh, to have than this guy. Like, I just feel like he's proven it. Um, and, and you said a bunch of the, the great win victories he's had. And it's not to say that the Chiefs don't have players on defense, like even like drafting like Carl Loftus in the first round, a couple of, like he made a couple of big plays. Like they, they do have guys, Chris Jones, honestly, one of the best interior, if not the best uh, interior, uh, you know, rusher in the entire NFL. So he has guys in this defense, but um, you know, you can give him a, I just feel like he's the DC that like gets the mediocre defense to being great. And especially like just preparing, having the week to prepare for the league MVP and doing what he did was just absolutely incredible. And, you know, we're in this uh, offense, heavy, pass heavy. You need, you need to get a great play caller for your next head coach. And everyone wants to snipe these great OCs and steal them and take them for their team. But uh, again, it's not really the, the fun move to get a defensive coordinator, defensive guy as head coach. But um, again, like Spags, he's basically what like, you know, Ben Johnson for the Lions is like right. he's like that good at just elevating everyone's play. And, um, you know, you can say what you want about the regular season stuff and the defense. But like, when it comes to crunch time, he, he showed up and it's, you know, another uh, unfortunate, you know, black mark against the resume and the career of Lamar Jackson, the playoffs, where if his team like gives up 13 more, uh, 13 or more points in the playoffs, he will lose it. So a sad ending to the uh, MVP run for L Jacks. But again, like hats off to, to Spags. I love that guy. Got us the rings in uh, New York and beat the, the all time greatest team. And uh, he's at it again, and now with a trip to another chance to win another Super Bowl. So, like, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying, that his resume is just way too good. Yeah, I wanted to get into the Ravens side of this too, Eddie, because it's going to come down on Lamar because that's how this works. You're the quarterback. You're the MVP. You get all the hype when they win. Now we're looking at a playoff loss where it's going to be on your shoulders, and part of it is the history, right? He's now 2-4. and four. A lot of those games, you can look at the stats that they weren't all there. How much blame, I guess would be my question, do you assess on Lamar in this? If you were going to pie chart it a little bit, how much of this is Lamar? How much of this is you know, the play calling, some receivers letting him down, just the whole scope of it? Where does Lamar get the blame? Uh, I mean, it's hard not to give the lion's share of blame to the MVP, to the quarterback. It's it's a quarterback league, and when quarterbacks make, you know, when they win games, that's why Mahomes is getting the praise. So I feel like it's the fair thing to say, that Lamar deserves blame here too. I mean, the defense, you could say, did their job, held Mahomes and company to 17 points. Uh, I, you know, Lamar's playoff career, his two victories are one versus the Tennessee Titans, you know, Tannehill, and one versus a rookie in C.J. Stroud. And, you know, C.J. Stroud, way young, his first year in the league, and Ryan Tannehill, you know, he's, I mean, it was fine for a few years, but the, he's not, he wasn't beating the Burroughs, the Allens, the Mahomes. And I think that just says something like he's not really built for these playoffs. He's not being the, the top, the high end guys. Um, and like I mentioned, like that stat, like when, when he's in the playoffs and his defense does not hold the team to less than two touchdowns, two extra points, they will lose the game. Um, his career, he only has three victories uh, versus teams that have. Uh, the, when the defense gives up 23 or more points to teams that are either qualified for the playoffs or above 500, he only has three victories versus teams like that. That, to me, just reeks of a guy that needs everything to go right 
to to really be effective. And I'm not trying to take away from his MVP. I love Lamar. I think he's impossible to uh, game plan for. He's just so good at everything, has a live arm. And I think he's doing a lot with not a lot of talent around him. Um, Zay Flowers, obviously, huge fumble in that game. But I think he has a great career. And he's a guy that Lamar needed. Mark Andrews coming back, who was banged up. But I, I would put more into that. But like Isaiah Likely was super great in his uh, absence. Scored a touchdown, I feel like, every single week that yeah. you know, Andrews was out. Um, I think the big losses were probably at the running back position, losing Dobbins and then losing Keaton Mitchell, kind of like the change of pace guys and more versatile guys instead of just having, you know, Gus the bus there and, and Hill, whoever else. Uh, I think that that did hurt right. them. Um, their defense played great. I mentioned, you know, like how uh, uh, my guy Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. I mean, oh, all, all over the yeah. field it was a he was an animal. So, like, you know, guys did step up. An unfortunate fumble from Zay Flowers. Um, I don't think there's a ton of you know coaching errors really from Harbaugh's side. So you just expect the most valuable player to rise to the occasion and, and play good football. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw you know even in a losing effort, like you know to to equate it, I don't think you would blame Josh Allen for the Bills' loss. Um, I think Josh Allen played out of his mind. I think the rest of the team was just not really yeah. up to snuff, and yeah. that's kind of what happened. And I feel like in this game, Lamar probably could have done more yeah. um, like he did versus the the Texans. So uh, it's going to be a struggle for Lamar. You know, this everything was kind of going right for the Ravens this year. They had the number one seed. I did mention the injuries, but number one seed, first round by home field advantage. Everything runs through them. And uh, he's he had an MVP season, and you lose to Mahomes when everyone was doubting the Chiefs. So mm-hmm. I and and don't let's not forget too, it was ten ten or wherever it was. It was tied at halftime versus Houston. I know the second half is explosion, but they were kind of stinky for the first thirty yeah, minutes uh-huh. of that game too. So you know it's just not going to get any easier for Lamar with Burrow coming back healthier mm-hmm. and with Justin Herbert now getting uh, Jim Harbaugh. There's a lot of challenges out there mm-hmm. in the AFC, and obviously Mahomes not going anywhere, and neither is Josh Allen. So it's just it, it's probably unfair to say like oh he'll get back there because you right. really never know and I, I i saw again like to answer your question i, I would put a fair share of blame yeah. uh really on l jacks yeah i mean in seven playoff games he's averaging his teams are averaging a little over 16 points so that's that's where his production is and this is a guy who's been lighting it up in the regular season it's fair to say it's also fair to point out that there were instances the fumble i don't think munkin coached a particularly great game and that might just be more credit no. to spags and what he did do his offense but yeah, I mean that's how this works. I mean he's gonna he's gonna get blame, especially because we're sitting there thinking this was winnable a lot in the second half. But you know, again, mm-hmm. shout out to the Chiefs, six straight years for Mahomes and six, and six straight conference title games at the very least. Guys, are unbelievable. And just add quickly, great point by you. Like Munkin, kind of a band of the run. Uh, did understand that that was a, a strange move, and I feel like he did take a little bit of time this regular season way back. Like they didn't look fantastic in like the first month that like he was still kind of getting used to that. And then you know they bring in Odell Beckham for I believe it was like what like 13, 14, 15 million for a one year deal. Yeah. Um, he was really nowhere to be found out there too for an, an aging receiver in his 30s with a couple of knee injuries uh, that he required surgery. So like yeah, they they're not surrounding him with the best right. guys, and I, it just felt like everything was off in that game versus the last team you needed to be off to mm-hmm. because you're always going to lose to Mahomes. If you're not playing a perfect game, he will un- like you're going to lose. That's as simple as that. More here on the Money Mitch Effect with Eddie Murphy from Extra Points Podcast Network talking conference title games, Chiefs back in the Super Bowl. As we mentioned at the beginning, it'll be a rematch from that 2020 game. Niners beat the Lions 34-31 in the second half. The Niners were exceptional, 27 points on the trot, 27-7 to seven in that second half. 
It was uh, a remarkable turnaround that has a lot of twists and turns. And Eddie, I guess I'll I'll start with this. When you you know look at the game as it happened, recap it. Do you see this more as the Niners just storming their way back, or are you looking at it from the perspective of man, the Lions really <laughs> the wheels came off? Yeah, I mean, I think it seems like everyone wants to pin the loss on Dan Campbell and blame like the like the the close decisions, but I I feel like you're you're getting in the nitty gritty about like going for or kicking a field goal, um, depending you know at multiple points of the game, but it really should have never come down to that. Like you had your foot in their throat, you're going into halftime with the Niners only scoring seven points. And you guys had scored 24. And to me, it's just like, okay, well, 24-7, like, just keep, like, play like you're losing. Like, play, like, like keep yeah, this, uh, yeah. be aggressive. And they were not doing that. So I, I'm not in the camp of, like, Dan Campbell lost it to him. I was like, no, if you're there in halftime going, guys, like, we're actually doing this. We're coming into mm -hmm. Santa Clara. We're coming to their home field. And we're taking this team that everyone thought was the best team all year long for at least for a lot of, you know, a big portion of it. And we're pushing them around. The Niners had no answer for anything they were doing. And, uh, I mean, they rushed for, like, almost 200 yards in this game. Obviously, the huge run from Jameis Williams. But Montgomery had a really nice game. I know Gibbs scored. Um, and it just Purdy looked off with a bad interception. So, like, there was – everything was going in the uh, in the, uh, the Lions' way. So, um, I would say – yeah, I, I I just feel like if they were just more aggressive and they, there were, you know, again, there were some sloppy plays, obviously the fumble from Gibbs, too. And, um, you know, Campbell's mistake kind of probably led to you know, his decision to go for it or not go for it led to the IU cash. That was a, the, the weird deflection and everything. So there were things that led to it. But I, I'm sorry if you're yeah, like comebacks happen. But if me and you are football coaches and we're in, we, we'd rather be in the locker room at halftime up 24-7, then down 24-7 <laughs> yeah. in the NFC title game because one team is feeling good and one team is going, we're 30 minutes away from our season ending. How we get here, you know, we, we, we were we were the number one seed. We should have been, you know, better than this. So I, I just, I have a hard time being like, you know, this is, uh, a, 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 it's a collapse. It's just a flat-out collapse of the Lions. Yeah, the, I mean, for the Niners' perspective, they showed a lot of poise because it was a brutal start for them, to say the least. There was a lot going wrong. Um, Purdy locked in. Shanahan remained calm under pressure, which always hadn't been the case for him. His reputation as a coach is that he doesn't pull these comebacks off. The numbers aren't there. And yet this is now two weeks in a row where they haven't had their best stuff early and they find a way to win by having that resolve and you know making sure these drives look pretty impressive. Again, credit to Purdy and the skill guys. But yeah, the Lions, man. I mean, that everything that could go wrong in the second half did and that includes but isn't just about the dan campbell decisions which is going to get the pub i mean there were receivers dropping some of those fourth down both those fourth down plays were drops you could mm -hmm. argue there was the fumble where gibbs basically ran the wrong way turned the wrong way with with golf golf wasn't exceptionally well and that defense got gashed up and down the field i was looking at the drives i mean even the niner field goal drives in that second half were just huge huge drives that took up a bunch of yards and a bunch of time so I would say that the Niners had to have the door open for them, which the Lions did, but they still had to walk through it would be how I would hedge that answer. I think the analytics stuff is going to get a lot of <laughs> a lot of discussion because it's not as simple as what, what are they doing going for it? Only an idiot would do this. That's who they've been all year, and yet I look at the first one, Eddie, as way worse than the second one. I know they don't trust their kicker. Bagley just got, I guess, re-signed. It wasn't there, but you have the ability to make it a three-score game at that point. You know, I'm, right. I'm, I'm kind of, I can understand the logic of 
you know, 42-ish yard field goal, down three. We don't really trust this guy. Let's just go for it. We have a good play here. But that first one's a little harder to, to justify in my book. Yeah, I mean, everyone's saying now, like, if they just kicked the field goal every single time, they would have won the game. Um, I think the one right before half, if, especially with that lead, too, if you do, like, worst-case scenario, you don't score there. You're like, all right, whatever. We're still up, you know, 21-7. Um, but if you do score the touchdown, the game's pretty much over. Uh, I think you're, you're, you're def it's super deflating. So, like, with the field goal kind of gives them life. Um, you know, the thing is, like, they did play aggressive the whole way. That's kind of Dan Campbell's M.O., so I'm shocked that he kind of veered from it there but then you know uh you know he kicked the field goal there but then he like went for another times where it probably wasn't as smart because sometimes like the points just more effective but it, again it kind of goes back to like if you're up 17 points you're up three scores like you can own the maximum and you know, two touchdowns <laughs> is still 16 points if you hit the two-point yeah, conversions yeah. both times so to me it's like the niners had to play a perfect half which they kind of did in a sense, but they did benefit off the the sloppiness of the Lions, like you pointed out. So that's why, again, I, 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 I as much as like it's probably frustrating to all of Detroit, and I, I feel for them um, with how the, the Dan Campbell decision makings. But it, it's to me, it's just like you needed one team to play the total 180 opposite of what they did in the first half, mm -hmm. and you need the other team to do the same, but in, in a positive way. And that's kind of what happened. So I, I just don't uh, like if I had a 17 point lead in the NFC title game, <laughs> I'm just going, let's just take super long drives, yep. like just deflate the take the air out of the football, just bleed the clock. And then if you chip in with a with a couple of field goals here and there, you're yep. again, you're just still extending your lead. It's tough though. Um, it's tough though when it's not how you play though. I mean, that's and I agree with you. But and when yep. you're when you're wired a certain way and maybe that's another lesson in there it's hard to be like okay we're going to go conservative approach to offense i just don't think they were you know they were built to do that and again I, that point you made is perfect it took the niners playing some really good football to even give themselves a shot but you gotta call for what it is for the line this would be a brutal loss for any if any of our teams lost in this circumstance it'd be tough getting out of bed the next day <laughs> Oh, I would. I wouldn't be on this podcast with you right now. I would be in the. I'd be floating in a river yeah, somewhere in a yeah, ditch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and let me like rephrase because I, I said like how they have to you know play aggressive, like play like you're losing. But what I mean by that is like they were dominating the Niners on the third down conversions. They every third and long they found a guy that was wide open, and the lines are full of great weapons, especially in the pass catching. Uh, you know, their their wideouts and Sam Laporte has been a revelation. And but I was saying though, like first and second down. And I don't know why they, they kind of went away from this, but like th run your tosses to to Gibbs. You drafted Gibbs in the first round, like get him out there, just toss the ball, let him make magic because the guy has the explosive ability to break a run. Yeah. And they kind of just like went away from that. So I would, what I mean by that is like, I would have probably, you know, run the ball a lot on first down and maybe second and short, I would have run the ball. And again, because all you're doing now is just bleeding the clock. So they have less time with, with the ball in their hands. Also, it's safer to run the ball than, you know, no risk of interceptions. And like I'm saying, just you're not stopping the clock. But like those third, you know, third downs, like obviously you're still passing. You're still taking your shots um, like they kind of were in the first half. And I just that, that just didn't happen in the second half. So I thought there was a game plan that's not ultra conservative. You were still aggressive enough. But I think like you know, running the ball like they're, they're, the Niners are weak on the outside versus the, those like run those like sweeps. And you have a running pack that you drafted him to literally do that. And they <laughs> yeah. went away with that. And like the fact that he only he was out carried by David Montgomery, who again had a great game, uh, but a different style of running back. So I, I just think the game plan, whatever they went into the halftime with the game plan was was the biggest error 
of Dan Campbell's like coaching blunders that game. It wasn't even the field goal thing or that because it should have never got to right. to be go for it or to kick the field goal. It should have been like we just put our foot to the gas and keep going because we got a, a couple field goals here or there, another touchdown. This game is over. Scoring one touchdown in the second half, mm-hmm. um, it's just it, it really it, it, as bad as it gets. So, I mean, yeah, it's this is a nightmare for Lions fans. And I hate people who say, like, oh, you know, it's the start of something great. Again, Screw back that. to Lamar Jackson Honestly, thing, you never know. You never know. You don't. And that's why I thought Campbell's speech was pretty, you know, what he said, like, this could be, like, this is it. Like, don't get complacent. It's really the only time this exact team – is together so we'll see man brutal one for the lions but the niners are back in we're not going to preview the super bowl but i just wanted to mention it because it sounds like you're leaning i mean is it the theory of any time the chiefs are underdogs and you get mahomes with a plus sign you just got to take it i think it's as simple as that mahomes i i know just check caesars uh, as you were bringing that up it's caesars has the chiefs getting a point and a half now um it, i think it opened at uh, two on on uh on caesars last night so uh, yeah i i even though on my shows I said that it's going to be uh, Niners Chiefs, but I have the Niners winning. I just think a combination of just seeing how poor they looked in the first half here and how they looked pretty much almost the entire game versus Green Bay. I mean, we, we forget too. Like, then if, if Green Bay did a couple tweaks here and there, they, they win that game. Um, if they hit a field goal, they win that game. We're not talking about the Niners anymore. So uh, I hate to be like the prisoner of the moment and flip my pick, but seeing how shaky they've been they have not played a complete great game in the playoffs whereas we we've seen the punches that the chiefs have faced versus the mvp and a guy josh allen who play like an mvp and they're like yep yeah, no problem we're gonna win this game anyway yeah. so uh for, for me it's just it's tough um i i think purdy is a composed guy but uh and and they are loaded i mean they could just he could just turn around and hand the ball off to to cmc who will find a way i mean just debo was injured comes back as a monster game brand Ayuk, who would be a number one receiver in most other teams but he's just buried on this roster and then obviously kittle um at, at tight end so it's like they have so many guys and their defense uh did kind of show it rise up to the occasion yeah. in the second half versus detroit but Jared Goff is not Patrick Mahomes, and um, you know Andy Reid now is used to being here, and this is a whole other ball game. So I, I think right now I would probably say it'll be a lower scoring game, probably in the low to mid twenties. You know we're not going to see a thirty four, thirty one. I don't think so. I, I right now probably taking the Chiefs of the points. Gonna have to look and see. I do think they match up pretty well. The Niners are, are built to be a team that could keep Mahomes off the field, but it is Patrick Mahomes and an improved Chief defense. So. A lot, a lot will be discussed on that. Uh, Eddie Murphy, before I let you go here on the podcast, got to talk a little hockey with what's going on in the NHL. Now that we're, you know, we're in that post, almost post-football season, so you look at the standings. Uh, your Rangers in particular, right? Like, we'll start there at the Eastern Conference. It's an interesting spot because they're still in the division lead at 63 points over Carolina. The Bruins pacing the conference with the Panthers now right behind them. But 4-5-1 and one in their last 10. They did win the last game that they played. Uh, I just want to gauge your, I guess, pulse of the team because it started out super hot. They've cooled a little bit. Some guys are stepping up playing well, maybe not in the goaltender position, but where are you at with the Rangers right now through 49 games? Yeah, I mean, um, hey, eight weeks ago, they're, you know, 18, 4-1 and one on top of the, the entire NHL. They're in 80% you know, uh, winning percentage. Like, it was just crazy eight-point lead in the Metro um, you know, top 10 and almost like every metric really, uh, it, but, and they were miss missing guys. Like they were missing Igor, they were missing Adam Fox. And, um, you know, since then 12, 12 and two. So, I mean, I'm happy they're 500. I'm also happy in a way that they're not, they don't have the burden 
trophy anymore. I, I think we've seen plenty of times in history that's not really a good thing to have. Uh, I just, you know, I don't believe in the, the superstitions, but I just think it's just a mental extra burden that the players and coaches uh, yeah. that they think about, and it just this, uh, you know, the curse of Sposta is like Dave Damage likes to say. I, I don't like that. So um, in a way, I'm happy they were losing some games, but I, I think it's okay to lose a couple of games. I don't think it's okay to go from 18 four and one to 12 12 and two. So I, I think obviously there's been a couple injuries with the Heedle injury and Cabo Caco missed a lot of time and he just come back. But um, I think right now with the news that Heedle probably be out for the remainder of the, the season or is out for the remainder of the season, I just hope his career turns around and he gets healthy because he's way, way too impactful and uh, way too young of a person to uh, have his career end like this. So my best wishes to him. But I think now with sending uh, Nick Benino down to the uh, the Hartford Wolf Pack. I, I do think the Rangers will be in the market to get some kind of middle six help. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's a, a team that wants to overpay for a guy like Keandre Miller. They can get a package because the Rangers do have a lot of defensemen, uh, pretty solid defensemen in the wing. So uh, you could, if you get a nice return for a young D man who's you know great on the offensive end, we'll see what happens. Um, I it's a bad answer but again this like this season is just super long it and is, we're still talking in january yeah. so I, I don't get too over my skis about <laughs> anything one way or the other um i think they're going to be a playoff team i still think they'll end up winning the metro um i don't i think you're lying to yourself you're a team if you you know a fan of a team in the metro and you're like oh i'll, I'll play the rangers like you don't want to well that's yeah um, that's that's true and i also just want to add that it does feel like a, a lot of the teams are a little down this year as opposed to last year in the east there's not, you know, last year it got out of control with how well the Rangers and how well Carolina and New Jersey were playing. And I know Carolina's played a lot better, but, you know, the Rangers have their issues. My point being, so do a lot of these teams. Like right. the Metro division hasn't, I mean, Philadelphia is still in third. They've gone, they've lost five straight and they're still hanging on to third place in that division. We saw the Devils, they can't get healthy. The Islanders made the big coaching change, not right. as much out of Pittsburgh. So I think the Rangers, I mean, hitting a rut here, I, and to go back to the President's Trophy thing, Eddie, I think it's more of a, it's not so much the curse, it's that if you get that trophy, you've pretty much clinched it early and you're not playing meaningful hockey into mm -hmm. the playoffs. And so that is the part where I think it could be a blessing to decide if the Rangers and Carolina battle for this division. It could actually help both teams have to round into form. And then, yeah, I just, I just don't think, I mean, the, the way this Metro has gone, I don't think, and we'll see if the Islanders get in or who makes a push, but I just don't know basically if they're going to have that tough first round series like they did last year. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a, a blessing that, you know, the devils uh, are not playing like everyone thought they were because of the injuries. And I think, you know, Pittsburgh, the old roster, they're not going to be around much longer in this current iteration of them and the Islanders, the coaching change. So like teams that people thought may be in the mix are kind of you know, falling away. And on the, the flyers, uh, I really don't take them seriously. I just think there's not a lot of talent on that roster. The Rangers uh, spanked them in their building like a, m a month and change ago. Um, so, yeah, the Canes really in the medley, in the medley only my eye on i think you know obviously uh i'm okay with boston running away with it or if it's going to end up being vancouver whoever wins the president's cup like go for it does not matter to me um if the rangers yeah. were tanking or i shouldn't even say tanking if they were playing 500 hockey maybe in like you know uh late march early april i would start to be more concerned but this has kind of happened over the holidays into january and i'm sure they'll figure it yeah. out it'll be it's a perfect time uh, yeah. for the all-star break to come so like I, i'm not too uh, worried about it like you know look at a team like edmonton who's on, <laughs> on a crazy streak 16 straight it's like, do you really want to be winning all these games right now? Because what happens if you start losing a couple? And right. then, you know, it just, 
It's just too much, too much hockey to be yeah. played. I think it's a little different with Edmonton. They needed this. Like, it's hard to say. Like, they've sure. won 16 straight, and they're not even near the division top. That's how bad they started. I'm with you on the Flyers. I think they're going to fall, and I think New Jersey slash Islanders, I want to see how they're going to make a move. The Patrick Waugh is going to get that team playing a certain style. They have a lot of ground to make up, but it's, uh, you know, the devil's getting healthy. I just think someone's going to have to get that third spot, and I just don't see Philadelphia doing it. In the other division... So impressed with Florida. I was wrong. I thought there'd be a dip, and there there hasn't been. They're playing like a bunch of bullies out there. Toronto has had this like weird up and down season where it's not voting well for playoff success, to be my opinion. I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with what Tampa's doing because we kind of wrote them off and understandably so, right? An aging team had made all those deep runs. And they're one of the more consistent teams. It just shows you having a good locker room which we'll get into the Western Conference, the opposite of that. But it shows you what having a good core, good locker room is to just kind of stay afloat and weather the ship and, you know, just play your best hockey when you can. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it definitely has that feel this year of, like, uh, teams hang, hanging around that we didn't expect with like uh, with um, Tampa and with Florida, um, especially Florida, too, having a great a great year. So, I mean, it, it's, it is pretty wide open. I, I do think the Cub winner still will come from the East, mm. personally. Uh, I do like that bet on Caesars. Actually, I think it was, like, minus 110 or whatever to, to come from the Eastern Conference. Um, I definitely think that it'll be an American team because I don't, I don't see any reason to pick a Canadian team to win it. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's again back to being a lame answer like I, I think we're starting to see stuff how it like shapes out especially after the uh, the upcoming all-star break but I it just when the season like starts in October and doesn't end until what is it, like May uh, whatever it's just it's just so many months and you have no idea what trades could happen and injuries and um, a lot of players even taking leave now, which are, are hurting some teams, uh, you know, in a, in a, even though they have to get right themselves, but you never know what's going to happen. So I, I'm not overly concerned i i think that uh, as long as you just are you know play consistently good like you're going to lose games um but as long as you're not doing these things that are on a night-to-night basis if you have a stinker okay followed up with a win i think the rangers are actually okay at doing that They're, they don't really lose a lot of games in a row so they, they've kind of alternated wins and losses which i think is okay so um yeah i mean i'm i'm not too concerned anything it's it's and you know this too it's like you get in the dance and anything can happen. That's yeah. why hockey's great because the eight seeds could actually beat the one seeds, unlike any other sport. So uh, it's just one of those things where as long as you just stay kind of uh, in, in your lane, keep picking up you know points wherever you can and getting the dance, then you know everything is uh, all bets are off, so to speak. So I, I'm not too concerned with it, and uh, it's okay because there's a lot of months before the uh, the real playoff hockey starts. So you said no Canadian team, so you wouldn't be too high in Vancouver going all the way in it's this. It's like yeah. plus three, some plus three eighty yeah. or something like that for a Canadian team to win this for a Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup. So yeah, I would take the. I think. Well, yeah, I don't I, want to bet on the. I, I like that. that. I, I like that. I like not because I I do I don't know that I'd favor Vancouver, but the East team to win over the West, I would be a little worried about Colorado because I think they're yeah, rounding sure. into form. But, uh, and I, I, do, I think yeah. that East is the East is a little bit deeper, um, and I think that. I mean, I think I'm not sure what the odds are for the West side, uh, the Western Conference there. But I, I know that I, I just liked because, like you mentioned, it's just the team like Boston and Florida and Tampa are still hanging around. And Toronto can make some noise, but even though I don't think Toronto will win it because I'm, I'm anti a Canadian team winning it. And the Metro has their guys, especially if Devils get, you know, get if Hughes comes back healthy and they have a spark and they make it in like they'll be a team that no one wants to play. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the West has their their, you know, Colorado. And but it's funny, too, that like that Vancouver is not really respected by the sports books. They don't think they're a for real team. Um, like they still think Edmonton and even like Vegas is better 
than Vancouver. So I, I'm not big into to them. That's another reason why the Canadian the bet for a Canadian team to win is so yeah. lopsided. Yeah, I just wonder if last year, like we were kind of talking about it, where the East maybe depth could be a problem once you get to the final, where Florida runs this gauntlet. You know, Boston, Toronto. Uh, Carolina and then Vegas wins the cup. Now again, props to Vegas for being a deep team, but we'll see um, what Colorado is doing and how they've done it with McKinnon and McCarr have been pretty good, but Dallas is right on their heels along with Winnipeg. So um, I think it's going to be a fun turnaround. I did, I did want to also mention just how brutal things have gotten for the LA Kings. I mean, they're just completely tanking almost out here. And uh, it starts with, I think that acquisition for Dubois, which we said wasn't the best one, just kind of, you know, they trade away a lot of pieces, gave him eight for eight, I think. And, uh, yeah, it's just not happening. Yeah, I expect them to be a, a force going forward, and I have no love for the Kings, but I do respect the way they were built. Um, just a solid all-around team. Like, they're just so – they're deep. They're good defensively. I get good goaltending, and they're just a tough – out. like, the team is almost made for the playoffs, um, and they've had those legendary back-and-forward back, back and forward battles with uh, the Oilers that we, we've seen in the last couple of years. We, you know, we both attended that game. Um, but, uh, yeah, things seem to not be going that way. And the, the crack and running their heels, Calgary isn't even that too far behind either. So I would not be shocked if those teams kind of leapfrog them. I did not expect that whatsoever. The Kings, I had a lock to almost even be cont in contention to win the Pacific, you know, if it wasn't for Vegas or Edmonton, which I think I had ahead of them. But I, I thought they'd be right there uh, and leading that division, and that's not what happens at all. Yeah, they've got, I think, five shootout losses, a bunch of overtime losses, too. So it's uh, it hasn't been going good for them. Yeah, 10 OT losses. So that's that's a lot. Uh, last thing, Eddie, before I let you go, just, you know, we were talking about the betting and stuff. The uh, the two awards that I was looking at right now, the Norris and, then of course, the MVP. The odds right now for the Norris, Quinn Hughes is the favorite with McCarr. A little behind him, it's like minus 140 to plus 150. And then the MVP right now, McKinnon has the edge. Roughly the book I'm looking at has him about one plus 130. And it's Kucherov and McDavid in any order it could be flipped in that two, 230 to plus 300 range, we'll say. So that one's a lot closer. McKinnon has the edge on Kucherov scoring by like a point or two. McDavid is rounding into form. Do you see any of those or how do you see those awards playing out with those favorites or maybe somebody making a push and a charge? I think right now the favorite, like barring injury, um, which unfortunately for McKinnon is a possibility. I think McKinnon probably will end up with it. Um, with the heart, I think for the the Norris, I mean, you could almost like, and yes, like JT Miller is playing well. They have had good goaltending um, from Demko and company, but I really think you could tie Vancouver's great play and great performance this season and, you know, being tied with Boston for the league lead in points with the play of Quinn Hughes. I mean, the guy is just like uh, first of the league and plus minus 62 points, which is like, I believe, like ninth. Uh, overall in the league, but for like defensemen, super high up there. So having this like 24 year old kid uh, coming into this roster and just really playing as well as you could play for a number one D man, I think is the direct correlation to why they've been so good. So yeah, he would get my, my vote for the Norris right now. I would not change what the, uh, the favorites have it for the heart or the Norris. Yeah. Hughes has been playing so good. He's gotten better every year. And I think I agree with you hundred percent tying his success to the team means something McKinnon is playing I know actually Kucherov has a point to correct myself lead on him but McKinnon is playing like a man possessed to get that MVP award but I was saying wouldn't it be something if McDavid went on a tear and like it would not shock me if this scoring race was a lot closer like he's 18 points back do we think it's going to be within single digits soon I would say maybe 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I know that uh, McKinnon had that goal outburst the other night to get him uh, above the 30 mark there. Uh, Austin Matthews still is the, the lead there. But I think in terms of the points, it's it, it's possible that it's – I think it's a two-horse race between Kucherov and McKinnon. But I think the ability of McKinnon to turn, turn it on and whatever he really wants to when he can take over a game, he could do that. I'm not really sure if Kucherov has that ability. He's just a very smart player. Plus, like, obviously with the uh, – you know, a couple years age difference to a little bit younger on McKinnon side. So I, I lean towards him. Um, even if he doesn't end with a point lead, if he loses by a point or two, I still think he's probably in line to win the award. But um, if, if I had a, you know, if I did have a bet on, I, I probably would take McKinnon to um, to end up as the uh, the points leader in this. Um, although I still think goals leader will probably still be uh, Austin Matthews. Well, appreciate you coming on this show, talking hockey and football. Eddie Murphy, somebody that, like myself, wouldn't be here if his team suffered a loss like the Detroit Lions. But uh, always do appreciate you making time to come on the show, chop it up with sports. And uh, once again, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Anytime. You're the best. Always a pleasure. That was Eddie Murphy. This was the Money Mitch Effect. We're on all your podcast platforms. Go to SoundCloud, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Check me out at Twitter, Money Mitch M21, and follow the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. We're back next week to preview the Super Bowl, talk whatever sports topics come our way, and keep it relaxing and refresh. For Eddie Murphy, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening, and keep enjoying sports.